0: This is Finding Center, a daily hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is Be a Light. In the first half, Jennifer Rockwood shares her address Drawn to the Light. Then in the second half, Jody Maxfield speaks on Listen, Lift, Rescue.
1: What an amazing opportunity to stand before you today. Never in a million years would I've ever thought that I'd be right here, right now. But it goes to show you that we never know what God has in store for us in the present or in the future. Life is a journey and we must always embrace it, even when we're asked to do something that we thought was absolutely unimaginable. My journey has truly been different than what I would have ever foreseen as I once sat in your seat over 30 years ago. But what a blessed life and what a ride it has been. I pray that I will be able to share a few thoughts and stories today that might inspire you to realize the significance and importance here on earth. I know that I will not necessarily tell you anything you haven't heard before, but I hope that I might remind you of what you've always known, but that can so easily be forgotten in our demanding lives. Does your life seem too busy at times? I know mine does. We live in a world where our lives are busier, noisier, more stressful than ever—a time where nothing stops or even slows down—more responsibilities, more pressure, more expectations, far more places to be, and way too much time on our smartphones. It just seems impossible to sometimes keep up with the pace. I am always drawn to the light in the beauty of God's creation where I can find a calmness, a comfort, a peace, and a deeper connection to my Heavenly Father and my Savior. Just as the sun, the moon, and the stars light the landscape of this beautiful world, the light from above provides us with direction and purpose. As I think about the light and how many different meanings it has, I reflect on an experience I had last June. For several years I've had the opportunity to participate in a team race that takes one through some of the most beautiful scenery in the state. The event starts in Logan and winds through the Wasatch back and finishes in Park City. It's called Ragnar. And each van, there's two vans that consists of six people and you're all packed in. Your team spends over 30 hours together, no food, no sleep, few rest stops. Each team member runs three different routes and the whole group runs over 180 miles. What an adventure. Last year I wasn't quite as prepared as I usually am after badly spraining my foot a few months before. But just so you know, I am the oldest on the team by far and the slowest, so keep that in mind. Everyone else is very fast. After I ran my first run of nearly six miles, I was okay, but it was really hard and I actually went pretty slow. Soon our van was starting to get ready for our second leg of runs when my friend Greg mentioned, maybe you should run the shorter leg. It was half the length of what I was supposed to run. And at first I was thinking, oh, that's nice. He's concerned about my foot. But I soon realized that he just didn't want me to slow down the team. So due to peer pressure, I took the shorter run. However, it put me on a course that I was not familiar with. And it was one of the few runs that took place on a trail in the middle of nowhere at 2 a.m. in the morning. No lighted path, signs, or obvious markers. I wore a headlamp and a blinking red reflector. My headlight was the only source of light through the 2.5 miles of switchback trails. As you can imagine, it was a bit concerning and challenging to stay on the path. I even had to stop a few times and shine my headlight around because I feared I was off the course. The entire run, I was scanning for any sign of a light, a marker, or even a blinking reflector from someone. Occasionally in the distance, I would see a small red light with an arrow and I'd run in that direction. As I passed, I would scan again, trying to find another red light. Finally towards the end of my run, I saw a few runners ahead and followed their light to the finish. Soon after, a couple runners came in behind me and thanked me for leading them to the end. Evidently, they had been following my light all the way in. Through this experience, as in life, the lighted path is not always easy to follow, but it is the only way to reach our desired destination. During the run, it was important to stay strong and positive and confident, even though I had continual doubts. I had to intently search for the light of others to help me find the way and point me in the right direction. And although at the time I wasn't even aware, I was actually a light for others. We have been sent here to this earth as part of a remarkable plan to prove ourselves, to learn, to grow, and to develop into our best selves, to build the kingdom of God and help our family and friends reach their highest potential. We know and we have been taught that the light leads us through this journey. We have all been blessed with the light of Christ—to know right from wrong, good from evil and a knowledge of our Heavenly Father and our Savior's love. President Harold B. Lee has stated, Every soul who walks the earth, wherever he lives, in whatever nation he may have been born, no matter whether he be in riches or in poverty, had at birth an endowment of that first light which is called the light of Christ. That is the universal light of intelligence with which every soul is blessed. Close quote. As surely there is light, there is darkness, and as surely there is God, there is Satan. If we don't continually search for the light and stay on the path, we can just as easily be led into darkness and off the course. We all know that we live in a world where there is increasing darkness, where the lines are blurred, and the separation between light and dark is getting larger. Our society is trending away from the spiritual and becoming more secular than ever. It is even becoming apparent that those who choose to follow the light are often mocked, ridiculed, and even looked down upon. We must always stay on the lighted path and search for those things that we know to be true. As it says in the 13th article of Faith, if there is anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report, or praiseworthy, we seek after these things. President Wilford Woodruff once said, quote, We have no time to be drawn away from the things of the kingdom of God. While enjoying the Spirit of the Lord, we want the light all the time. Without the light, no man can see. While I walk in the light of God, my mind is open, and I can comprehend it and understand the sign of the times and the workings of the Spirit of God. And when a thing is presented to me by the servants of God, I can receive a testimony of the truth of that. But when I lose the light, I don't comprehend these things. I'm liable to find fault with this, that, and the other. We want to walk in the light. We want the Spirit of the Lord to be with us in order for us to live our religion, fulfill our mission as sisters and elders in Israel, and do the will of God, to fulfill this great high calling and build up this kingdom. We can't do it unless we walk in the light of the Lord. Close quote. Clinging to the light is a choice, and often those choices are challenging. We've heard the saying, I never said it would be easy, but it will be worth it. We all have challenges that we face, and Satan loves to pry on us, especially during those difficult times. He wants us to feel as if there are different paths. He wants us to give up, and he places opportunities for missteps along our way. I believe that one of the greatest tools is providing situations in which we doubt ourselves, our unique spirit, and our mission here on earth. We let those negative voices speak loudly in our heads. Words like, I'm not good enough, smart enough, I'm not pretty enough or skinny enough, I'm not worthy enough or strong enough, and life is just too hard. Yes, life is hard. And we are all challenged at times. We get scared of failure. We fear the unknown, and we are burdened with losses, sickness, and pain. All of these emotions can leave us vulnerable, questioning, and sometimes searching for easy fixes. It often leads us to complain, to blame, and talk badly of others, to make excuses. And the light gets smaller and smaller and smaller. We are in a battle between light and darkness each and every day. We have more forces working against us, and Satan will always give us his best shot. Sometimes the more progress you make towards the light, the more temptations may come. Of members of the Church trying to build the kingdom, you can be assured that we are prime targets. However, no matter what is thrown at us or whatever temptations and obstacles and darkness come our way, we have a choice. Which voices do we let in? which voices can drown out the darkness and fill our minds and our souls with light. We must intentionally use voices, saying, I am strong, I can do this, I am a fighter, and I choose to walk in the light. One of my favorite songs is entitled, I Will. It is written and performed by Hillary Weeks. To me it emphasizes the importance of making a personal commitment to stay strong in our faith. I wish she was here to sing it as she has sang it to our team in the past. But the lyrics include, quote, I made my choice, you can mark this day, the day I pledge to take his name. I will be strong, I will be brave, standing for him as I take my place. I will stand, I will not fall, in a world that's weak, I will be strong. I will be true, I will choose his way, I know what's right, and I will not change. In a world where many may not, I will." Close quote. There are so many times throughout our lives that we have experienced that shake our commitments and cause us to doubt our abilities. As a coach, I am in a position where difficult decisions have to be made that can significantly have an impact on young people's lives. Whether it is who to recruit or decisions made on playing time, often those decisions cause issues with parents, players, and families who, needless to say, are not so happy with me. Many years ago, I was in the middle of some very challenging situations that caused me much doubt, not only in my own abilities, but made me question my own path. Fortunately, I was blessed with the tender mercy of a friend who must have been inspired to send me a poem attributed to Mother Teresa. It reminded me that we always have the ability to make positive choices and see the light, even in the midst of darkness. This poem has had a profound impact on my life, and I refer to it often. I love to share it at every opportunity I can. The poem is entitled Do It Anyway. People are often unreasonable, illogical, self-centered—forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives—be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies—succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you—be honest anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous—be happy anyway. The good that you do today people will often forget tomorrow, but do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough, but give the world the best you've got anyway. Because you see in the final analysis, it is between you and your God. It was never between you and them anyway. God has sent each of us here with a plan, a purpose, a specific life to live. He also sent us here with all the tools that we need to find success, happiness, and peace. But we must choose to surround ourselves with light. We must search out the scriptures, the words of our prophets and leaders, and seek after the truth. We must be disciplined and dedicated and look for opportunities to learn and grow. We must be willing to do all the little things in order to reap the bigger rewards. When I was younger, one of my first coaching jobs was for a high school boys soccer team. What an amazing experience. Can you imagine 25 years ago a young girl just graduated from college and coaching a boys high school soccer team. I loved it. I loved those guys and we had a great time. Back then we had to do everything on our own. And some of our competitions were even hours away. I used to drive them around in a 15 passenger van. Just me and 14 high school boys. Just a few weeks ago, I heard from a former player from those days who wrote me an email telling me an experience that he remembered and a lesson that he learned that has helped him over the years. He referenced a situation when I let the guys just do what they wanted at practice for a few minutes, and they chose to just stand around in front of the goal taking shots. I guess he remembers me saying, what makes you think you'll ever get those shots off in a game if you can't even pass, trap, or control the ball? Although I don't remember those specific words, he did. And not only did he apply them to soccer, but he has applied them to his life. He understands and he reminded me that we can't expect to have chances to succeed at the game-changing visible things unless we are working to master the little things, and that the big things are ultimately dependent on how hard we are willing to work. To me, this is a great example of one who is able to apply the simple concept to his life and continues to share those with who he teaches. He searched for a deeper meaning in his experience and learned from some of life's simple truths. This is one way that you can search for light. Another way is to surround yourselves with individuals who can inspire you and lift you to great places. We must choose our friends and those we associate with very carefully. We must ask ourselves, are these individuals helping move us towards the light? Or are they allowing us to let some darkness slip in? Are they motivating and inspiring us, or are they bringing us down? Do they help us see what is great about the world, or do they cast a shadow of negativity? Again, we mostly have a choice of who we spend our time with. A big part of my job and our staff's job is recruiting players to BYU. Truly one of the hardest and most time-consuming aspects of our job, but also one of the most rewarding, because we have the opportunity to recruit some of the finest young women who are playing at the highest level in their sport. We know that bringing in players will not only be spending a large amount of time with us, but they will be a significant part of the lives of their teammates for the course of their college career. They will spend countless hours together at practices in the weight room on the road almost every weekend during the season and throughout the summer. Each new season of recruits will be a major influence on the lives of each of us, and we must choose wisely. When you seek after the light surrounding yourselves with positive and great individuals, you will provide yourself with more opportunities to learn and to grow. I have been blessed to work with so many inspiring young athletes and they continue to teach me so much. But one player truly stands out. Many years ago we recruited a young lady who had a very special talent and gift for the game. She was raised a long ways from Provo, Utah, and had never really been around many LDS players. She was also someone that was so good she never really had been held accountable for some of the standards on our team, such as fitness tests, work rate, being on time, Even things like what to wear to a soccer clinic or a service project. She was her own person, she had her own ideas, and she marched to her own drum. And that's fine. But at the same time, it was holding her back from reaching her highest potential. We did not see eye to eye on many things early on, and it actually came to a point where I had to make the decision to ask her to leave the team. She was good enough to play at other universities, and I told her I would help her find a place. However, I also mentioned that if this is where she really wanted to be and was willing to embrace her opportunity here and make some changes, that she would have the opportunity to join us again the following semester. After a short time, she told me that she really wanted to come back and learn from all of those around her. It was not an easy journey for her, and there were many times where she knew it would be easier somewhere else. But through the struggle, the fight, and the dedication, and the great choices, she was able to develop, mature, and grow. She made the decision but by staying and surrounding herself with great friends, teammates, professors, ward members, and the environment here at BYU that ultimately would lead to an opportunity to change her life and her future. One of the most rewarding and proud moments of my coaching career was to give Genevieve Phillips a big hug on the field after her last game. And congratulate her on what an amazing journey she had. Her senior year, she helped lead our team to a number 14 ranking before being knocked out of the tournament by the University of Portland, the defending national champions at that time. What an unbelievable blessing and inspiration Genevieve was to me, my staff, her teammates and all those who knew her. She went on to graduate from BYU, serve a mission, and bless the lives of all those she came in contact with. She lived her life to the fullest and fulfilled her mission here on this earth and was taken home after a car accident in 2012 to return to her Heavenly Father. Not only do we have choices about whom we surround ourselves with. But we are blessed to have a God that intentionally places certain individuals in our past to provide opportunities, to open doors. He wants so badly to help us reach our potential if we will only let Him. I would like each of you to think about some of the individuals who have helped you get to where you are today. Some have had big roles, some small, and some have made all the difference. It's important to remember that at no time do we accomplish things on our own. I remember Ken Marshall, a high school soccer coach who taught me to push myself, work harder, and achieve more than I thought was possible. Who challenged me in every way to get better and always expect success. Who hired me as a 16-year-old to help work his youth soccer camps throughout the summer. That gave me the opportunity and the knowledge that I needed to direct the camps here now at BYU with over 2,500 kids that attend each year. I remember a brilliant lady, Nancy Houston, the head of the Waterford School, who hired me to begin teaching middle school and coaching high school my senior year at BYU. No teaching credentials, no education classes, as I was a finance major, and no real experience. However, she believed in me and she believed that I had a future in education and coaching. This opportunity eventually opened doors for me to set a new career path. With so much that has been provided for us by a loving Heavenly Father, much is expected. What a blessing for all of us to be at this great institution. As part of my job, I have an opportunity every week to tell young people, their coaches and their parents, what an amazing place this is. A university where one can reach their highest potential, athletically, academically, socially, and spiritually. Where everyone understands that we're not perfect, but we're committed to being our best. I'm sure that we've all worked extremely hard and sacrificed much to be a part of this BYU community. I'm sure that we're all qualified and have had numerous opportunities to be elsewhere. But we've chosen to be here at Brigham Young University and stand for something more than ourselves. Several years ago President Hinckley said at a BYU devotional, You came because you wanted the BYU experience. Although perhaps you could not define it, having gained it, never lose it. Cultivate it in your lives and hold its very essence until you grow old and gray. Even then, you can sit on the wall on a warm summer day and think of the things that you are still learning in light of this great experience you had." Are we making the most of our opportunities here at BYU? Are we doing everything that we can to build the kingdom of God? And are we being a light to others? Years ago, President Faust gave a talk entitled, The Light in Their Eyes. He recalled a historic meeting in Jerusalem about the new lease for land on which the BYU-Jerusalem Center was later built. President Benson and Elder Holland agreed with the Israeli government that the university would not proselyte in Israel. After signing the lease, one of their friends remarked, Oh, we know that you are not going to proselyte, but what are you going to do about the light in their eyes? He was referring to the BYU students who were studying in Israel. Do you have that light in your eyes? Would someone who doesn't know you know that you have the light within you? In Matthew 5, Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount, and he states in verse 14 and 16, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Let your light so shine before man that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. President Monson has also said, quote, the opportunities to shine are limitless. They surround us each day, in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. As we follow the example of the Savior, our opportunities to be a light, we can, in the lives of those around us—whether they be our own family members, our co-workers, mere acquaintances, or total strangers. Close quote. On our team, we often talk about the importance of representing ourselves at the highest level that wearing Brigham Young on your jersey means more than just another college team. We are aware that people are watching us, and you never know what lives can be touched, what doors can be opened, and what inspirations can be provided. Although we're not perfect, we try to represent the best we can. We want to play at the highest level, to win championships, to be nationally relevant so people know who we are and what we represent. As President Monson has stated, to be a light even to total strangers. A few months ago, I received a package from one of the state prisons here in Utah. I thought it unusual, but I opened the package and inside was a beautiful hand-knitted blanket with a full BYU Cougar logo in the middle. There was a handwritten note on top, and part of it read, I am an inmate at the Utah State Prison. I am 54 years old and in all my life I have never been interested in watching sports on TV. That was until 2009 when I was running channels and came across a BYU women's soccer game, just as someone did a flip throw. I stopped to see what was going on, and I was hooked. To this day, the only sport I truly watch is BYU women's soccer. There's something about the way they play. It's hard to describe. They play with heart, for the love of the game, and just for the enjoyment. It's something that cannot be put into words. I will never get to see a game in person. So please accept this blanket as a token of my appreciation. It is for the entire team. That was such a kind gift and a note that touched our team, and it reminded us that we are capable of reaching individuals that we would have never thought. Our reach goes so far, whether it is in sports or music or dance or science or education or whatever we are involved with here at BYU, we can make a difference. Each of our players work as camp coaches for young players who love the sport and often have dreams of attending and playing soccer someday at BYU. Most of our players have attended these camps when they were younger so they know how exciting it is when young campers come to play and hang out with them for a week. In fact, several girls on the current team I first met at camp when they were only 10 and 11 years old. One summer several years ago, we had a young girl who was shy but also uncooperative didn't participate in the drills or the games with her group. A couple of my players who were coaching her weren't sure what to do. I mentioned that maybe they should just spend a little more time with her, get to know her, sit with her at lunch or dinner, and just told them that maybe she just needed a little extra love, a little extra attention. The girls did an amazing job and towards the end of the week she was much more engaged in the training and seemed to be having a lot of fun with her team. After a week or so, I received a thank you note from her mom explaining that this young girl did not want to come to camp. Her mom basically made her attend. Obviously, this is one of the reasons why she got off to such a rough start. Her mom went on to explain that her daughter loved soccer, but she was from an area where there weren't many members playing, and that she was slowly fading away from any interest in attending her young women's group, seminary, or even church on Sunday. It was becoming a battle for her parents to keep moving in the right direction. They thought maybe it would be good for her to be around some other members of the Church who also love soccer. Her mom was quick to point out that that experience at camp had been life-changing. Her daughter had found some new motivation, some inspiration and direction. She wanted to be like the other campers and the players on the team and someday maybe go to BYU. She continued to attend camp for several summers after, and although she was never quite at the level to play college soccer, she was inspired at a young age to make good choices during her high school experience and ended up attending BYU. You never know what light you might spark in others just through your kindness and your example. It's so important that we find ways that we can inspire others. It's our responsibility. We're to use our gifts and our talents to share the light and bring the light to others. It's what we've been taught and counseled to do. Our prophet has just recently challenged us to be an example and a light to the world. President Monson has stated, As we follow the example of the Savior and live as He lived and taught, that light will burn within us and will light the way for others. We become examples and believers by living the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, and in purity. Are you lighting the ways for others? Are you an example of the Savior in your words and thoughts and actions? These are questions that we must ask ourselves on a daily basis. In order for us to hold up our light, we must believe and remember who we are, where we came from, and what we were sent here to do. I have an opportunity several times throughout the year, whether at practice before a game or at halftime and try to motivate, inspire, and remind the girls of what they are capable of and how amazing they are. I have often thought about what simple and direct words of encouragement might come from our Heavenly Father to remind us how capable and amazing we are. As most of you know and what I have come to learn over the years is that your mother and father are always your biggest fans. I know that our Heavenly Father and our Savior are our biggest fans. They want nothing more than to help us find happiness, peace, and return home to them someday. Here are some words of wisdom that I believe they would want us to know, to repeat to ourselves, and always remember. You are a beautiful child of God made in His perfect image. You are loved, appreciated, and valued more than you will ever know. You are unique and capable of more success than you can ever imagine. Dream big dreams and find your passion. It is never too late. Never let fear hold you back. Do the hard things, like speak at devotionals. Always give everything your best effort. Be kind to yourself so you can be kind to others. Love yourself so you can love others. Follow the light, seek after the light, and always be a light. Brothers and sisters, I know that this life is challenging, but we can and we must stay on the lighted path that is always provided for us. We must always seek for the light and light the way for others today more than ever. I leave you with my testimony that I know we have a loving Heavenly Father who knows us by our name, our thoughts, and by our heart. He loves us so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who made it possible for us to live together again as one eternal family. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Finding Center. Our theme today is Be a Light. We've just heard from Jennifer Rockwood. After the break, we'll return with Jody Maxfield for Listen, Lift, Rescue. This is Finding Center, a daily hour of spiritual focus. Our theme today is Be a Light. Next is Jody Maxfield, artistic director of the BYU Cougarettes dance team, titled Listen, Lift, Rescue.
2: You might recall in the beloved Dr. Seuss children's book, Horton Hears a Who, how Horton, who was an elephant, had a chance encounter with a speck of dust from whence a voice barely audible called out for help. Horton recognized that the voice is coming from the speck of dust and proceeds to do all he can to protect and defend the colony of who's who are too small to be seen by an elephant's eyes. Horton perceives that someone is in distress and realizes that he can help Instead of discounting his newly discovered friends and amidst scoffs and scorn from others, he does all he can to give aid. He has a clear understanding of his ability to rescue and protect the Who colony. Through his actions, he demonstrates his ability to give aid, share his light, and serve. And as Horton exclaims, a person's a person no matter how small. Having just celebrated Thanksgiving this past week and as we transition from November into the month of December and the birth of our beloved Savior, it seems particularly natural that gratitude has taken center stage in our minds and in our hearts, as well it should. No matter how humble or meager our circumstances, we each have so much to be grateful for. President Thomas S. Monson has said of gratitude, To express gratitude is gracious and honorable. To enact gratitude is generous and noble. But to live with gratitude forever in our hearts is to touch heaven. President Monson also said, We can lift ourselves and others as well when we refuse to remain in the realm of negative thought and cultivate within our hearts an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude is an expression of our faith. Negativity most certainly breeds despair, depression, lack of enthusiasm, and a critical analysis of that which is most likely not our right to criticize or judge. Elder Joseph B. Worthen, in a devotional address given at BYU on gratitude, said the following, Gratitude is the mark of a noble soul and a refined character. We like to be around those who are grateful. They tend to brighten all around them. They make others feel better about themselves. They tend to be more humble, more joyful, more likable. Elder Worthen reminded us that gratitude is a commandment of the Father. Thou shalt thank the Lord thy God in all things. While it may be more challenging to feel grateful when we are in the throes of disappointment and trials, those are the very times when we need to stop, take a look around, and list and count our blessings one by one. It has not been surprising to me throughout my life just how much I truly take for granted when I am in a woe-is-me state of mind and just how reflecting on my blessings has turned things around almost instantaneously, although not removing the trial. When my outlook has changed, my attitude, perception, and ability to cope have been positively affected. Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf said regarding gratitude, Gratitude is a catalyst to all Christ-like attributes. A thankful heart is the parent of all virtues. He went on to say, True gratitude is an expression of hope and testimony. It comes from acknowledging that we do not always understand the trials of life, but trusting that one day we will. As I am blessed to coach and direct the BYU Grants, one of the areas that we have chosen to focus on this year as a team has been gratitude. I have seen firsthand gratitude in action over and over the past few months through numerous handwritten thank you notes or heartfelt expressions of love for others. Expressions of appreciation for what have been received, individual random acts of kindness, striving to avoid a sense of entitlement, and focusing on all that is good and uplifting have positively impacted individuals and the team. A focus on recognizing the tender mercies and blessings that have come to this team have truly made a difference and has ultimately added a culture of humility and gratefulness to each team practice. Elder Worthen gave us a wonderful phrase to remember and implement in our lives—come what may and love it. We would all do well to reflect on and incorporate those six inspiring words into our daily lives. Not all days are easy to love, but within each day is something of value that will expand our vision, increase our horizon, and cause our heart to truly swell with love, appreciation, and gratitude. We just have to open our eyes and our hearts. I love BYU athletics. I love our student-athletes, coaches, administration, and teams. And I love my Cougarettes. I am inspired by them. They encourage me to be a better person and coach. It's a department and an environment where all are engaged in excellence and in achieving the very best the human body and spirit can accomplish. I am passionate and committed to the job I have of coaching our competitive dance team. But, more importantly, in helping to provide opportunities for testimonies and lives to be enriched and changed, and for spiritual moments to happen frequently. President Worthen often quotes from the BYU mission statement. He is very passionate and committed to making sure that all at BYU have a clear understanding of what the aims and mission of a BYU education are all about. President Worthen has said, "Quote." While we do not do everything that other universities do, the expectation is that everything we will do will be first-rate. According to the mission statement, a commitment to excellence is not an aspiration, it is an expectation. I have been inspired many times, as I am sure you have as well, by President and Sister Worthen. There is no doubt that they are committed to BYU, and they love serving the students and faculty here. I so appreciated the messages shared by them at the beginning of this semester. President Worthen's message entitled The Light of the Why encouraged all to let the why light us. His instruction was, You are not here by accident. God has a work to perform through you. Make Him the center of your efforts. Do what He would want you to do. Let His light shine more brightly through you as a result of your experiences at BYU. If you do, miracles will happen in your life, and you will see the majesty of the Lord work in the lives of others. In 2008, as the Cougarettes were preparing for national competition, the team had decided that that year they would like to compete with a routine that was unique in nature from those of previous years. The girls wanted to communicate something more heartfelt, and they also wanted to seek for missionary opportunities to share their light and the gospel. It was determined that besides creating a special routine, they would also take with them around 50 copies of the March 2008 Enzyme to give away and share, hoping for situations to arise where they could present the magazines to their fellow competitors as well as share their love of their Savior. This particular issue of the Ensign has a beautiful image by Carl Bloch of the Savior on the cover. It was described as a special issue devoted entirely to expressing our beliefs of our Savior Jesus Christ. It contains testimonies of our prophets and apostles. It testifies of the life, mission, gospel, and atonement of our Savior. None of us could have imagined what would take place following the competition. Our final scores had us finishing in second place that year. Although obviously disappointed at the outcome, we huddled together in a circle and said a prayer of gratitude before going to greet our families on the beach. What then ensued on the beach in Daytona was something unexpected and indeed humbling. Many fellow competitors, as well as members of the audience, approached us to share their congratulations well wishes and to tell us how our performance had touched them. Some expressed a feeling they had experienced during our performance, and others said they had been brought to tears. As these moments unfolded on the beach, members of that team of cougarettes were able to offer those enzymes as gifts and also to share a brief testimony of their love of the Savior. It was very clear and apparent to each member of that team—and we believe— that we were not meant to win a title that year. Coming very close to winning and performing a routine that spoke to the heart opened many more doors and provided the missionary opportunities that most likely would not have been the case otherwise. God allowed us to have the missionary moments this team had prayed for. That particular year and this experience will be forever etched in my mind as one of the most memorable college dance team nationals I have been blessed to be a part of, and it was not a winning year in terms of a national title or trophy. We never know who may be watching and how what we say and do may be impacting those around us. Elder D. Todd Christofferson has said, Our example should be such that no one can deny that the Latter-day Saints love the Savior While we do not know for certain what effect the sharing of the magazines and testimonies had on those individuals and teams, we do know that through competing at college nationals over several years we were able to inspire one young woman who also felt something through our performances. She was not a member of the Church at that time but wanted to come to BYU because of what she had seen the Cougarettes do at competition. She applied for and was accepted to BYU. That led to her investigation of the Church and her baptism shortly thereafter. She then auditioned for and became a member of the BYU Cougarettes 2013 National Championship Team, a year when the team won in both jazz and hip-hop for the very first time. I am so grateful to a loving Heavenly Father who provided a way for us to share a message and our light through our talents. To quote President Worthen's message again, let his light shine more brightly through you as a result of your experiences at BYU. If you do, miracles will happen in your life, and you will see the majesty of the Lord work in the lives of others. Elder Craig C. Christensen taught Heavenly Father knows all about you, your strengths and your weaknesses, and he knows perfectly who you are but He also knows who you can become, and with that knowledge He has placed you here now at the exact place and time in which you can do the most good with the talents and gifts He has given you. Every day as I enter campus, I drive past a sign that reads, Enter to learn, go forth to serve. It thrills me as I watch former members of my team—now BYU alumni—take this phrase to heart. They are in the community serving and setting wonderful examples for those they are teaching, working with, and mentoring. Each of you here at this time will have similar opportunities today, tomorrow, and in the future to touch and change lives. The things that you will experience here at BYU will give you so much to offer the world, your community, and more personally and, importantly, your families as you seek to better your circle of influence and make a difference in the lives of others. It is important that we allow ourselves to be in places where the Spirit can speak to us, where we can feel the Holy Ghost and where distractions of the world do not interfere. Most days I can be found up very early riding my bike through the neighborhoods near my home. While I don't profess to be a professional cyclist—in fact, far from it—it is something that I enjoy doing to honor my health, commune with nature, and to listen as the Spirit speaks to me. It is on these morning rides that I have many opportunities to pray, ponder, and seek inspiration. In our day-to-day lives there is so much noise, clutter, and stress, and these distractions can in fact prevent us from hearing those promptings and spiritual impressions. In a talk entitled Stangey in Holy Places, President Thomas S. Monson taught We must be vigilant in a world which has moved so far from that which is spiritual. It is essential that we reject anything that does not conform to our standards, refusing in the process to surrender that which we desire most eternal life in the kingdom of God. The storms will still beat at our doors from time to time. For they are an inescapable part of our existence in mortality. We, however, will be far better equipped to deal with them, to learn from them and to overcome them if we have the gospel at our core and the love of our Savior in our hearts. The prophet Isaiah declared in Isaiah 32:17, "And the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever." He went on to say, My beloved brothers and sisters, communication with our Father in Heaven, including our prayers to Him and His inspiration to us, is necessary in order for us to weather the storms and trials of life. The Lord invites us, draw near unto me, and I will draw near unto you. Seek me diligently, and ye shall find me. As we do so, we will fill His Spirit in our lives, providing us the desire and the courage to stand strong and firm in righteousness, to stand in holy places and be not moved. Quote. Holy places can be anywhere we allow ourselves to fill His Spirit. God truly has a hand in our lives and will bless us as we prepare for small yet significant miracles to occur. As we draw near unto Him and seek Him diligently, We will find stability and strength to overcome and a source to whom we can look for direction. That stability will come as an anchor in our lives and in our testimonies. An old Quaker proverb goes like this, Ye lift me, and I'll lift thee, and we'll ascend together. President Harold B. Lee said, You cannot lift another soul until you are standing on higher ground than he is, You must be sure if you would rescue the man or woman that you yourself are setting the example of what you would have him be. You cannot light a fire in another soul unless it is burning in your own soul. The testimony that you bear, the spirit with which you teach and with which you lead, is one of the most important assets that you can have as you help to strengthen those who need so much wherein you have so much to give. Who of us in whatever station we may have been in have not needed strengthening." I am so grateful for the many ways that I have truly felt the hand of the Lord in my life in blessing me with many choice spiritual experiences and opportunities to share His light. Back in 2012, the Cougarettes were getting ready to compete in an international dance festival in Prague in the Czech Republic. We had prepared five numbers to compete with at the festival. One of those numbers was a lyrical dance, spiritual in nature, performed to the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, a repertory piece that we had brought back just for this occasion. Once again, missionary moments were prayed for and sought after. At a director's meeting the evening before the kickoff of the festival, I was asked by another director what types of numbers we were planning to compete with. I described each of them and then told her that we were also doing a spiritual piece that was very special to us. Her response was, I wouldn't perform that if I were you. Those types of numbers never do well in this competition. Needless to say, the Cougarettes took the stage the next day, dressed in a beautiful white costume. As the girls began to dance, a hush came over the audience. You could hear a pin drop as those in the audience watched intently. As I looked around, I could see individuals unmistakably moved by what they were witnessing. Each of these girls was bearing a powerful, silent testimony of our Savior Jesus Christ through dance. At the conclusion of the piece, the audience members sat in silence rather than applauding. The Spirit had truly communicated to them. What a blessing to be able to use dancing to touch others. Elder Ballard has said, Our ability to develop and use our artistic gifts to edify and inspire others depends on our faithful adherence to the Lord's teachings. In a small and simple way, we are able to, through our talents, do His work and help spread His gospel. By small and simple means are great things brought to pass. We are serving as His hands, and He asks that we give our all to bless the lives of others, to serve, lift up the hands that hang down and strengthen the feeble knees, to rescue and to bless. We have a blessed and sacred opportunity to be a light, to lift, to edify, recognize a need, and to be His angels here on earth. My husband Scott and I have been blessed with five beautiful, precious grandchildren. Four girls and a boy. Two of those little girls are our twins, Beth and Sadie. So it might come as no surprise that I love this story about newborn twins Brielle and Kyrie Jackson. The twin girls were born on October 17, 1995, a full twelve weeks ahead of their due date. Both babies were placed in separate incubators. Kyrie, the larger of the two babies, was making good progress in gaining weight. But her smaller sister had breathing and heart rate problems. There was little weight gain and her oxygen level was low. On November 12th, Tiny Brielle went into critical condition. Her stick thin arms and legs turned bluish gray as she gasped for air. Her heart rate soared, and their parents watched, terrified that their little daughter might die. One of the NICU nurses, after exhausting all other conventional remedies, decided to try a procedure that was common in parts of Europe but virtually unknown in the United States. With parental permission, she placed the twins in the same bed. No sooner had she closed the incubator door than Brielle snuggled up to Kyrie and began to calm down. Within minutes, her blood-oxygen readings improved. As she dozed, Kyrie wrapped her left arm around her smaller sister. Brielle's heart rate stabilized, and her temperature rose to normal. This photograph of Kyrie hugging her little sister, dubbed the Rescuing Hug, appeared in both Life magazine and Reader's Digest. Our ability to rescue might be as simple as a smile, a listening ear, an understanding heart, a hug in an appropriate time, or an artistic expression of testimony. President Monson has reminded us we are surrounded by those in need of our attention, our encouragement, our support, our comfort, our kindness. We are the Lord's hands here upon the earth with the mandate to serve and lift His children. He is dependent upon each of us. This picture appeared on the LDS Church Instagram feed. It illustrates perfectly just how often throughout any given day we are in a situation where we have no idea the burdens others are carrying. Wouldn't it be nice if we could wear an appropriate emoji over our heads signaling to one and all just how at any given moment how we are feeling? But of course that is not possible. How important, then, is it that we have open, compassionate— kind, nonjudgmental hearts, and that we seek to love others unconditionally and hearken to the promptings of the Spirit. President Spencer W. Kimball has said, and I know and have experienced this many, many times firsthand, God does notice us, and He watches over us, but it is usually through another person that He meets our needs. Close quote. None of us will escape sorrow, disappointment, and trials. There may be times where we will be called upon to be the rescuer, to have the strength, the fortitude, and the means to help, lift, and love another. And there may be many other times when we are the one who may need to allow others to rescue us. It is at times a difficult thing to admit that we need help. However, when we allow others to help us, we are not only receiving the blessings, but we allow the giver to be the receiver as well. This poem by William Ma, entitled Touching Shoulders, is one of my favorites. There's a comforting thought at the close of the day when I'm weary and lonely and sad that sort of grips hold of my crusty old heart and bids it be merry and glad. It gets in my soul and it drives out the blues, and it thrills me through and through. It is just the sweet memory that chants the refrain, I'm glad I touched shoulders with you. Did you know you were brave? Did you know you were strong? Did you know there was one leaning hard? Did you know that I waited and listened and prayed and was cheered by your simplest word? Did you know that I longed for that smile on your face, for the sound of your voice ringing true? Did you know I grew stronger and better because— I had merely touched shoulders with you. So many of our brothers and sisters experience loneliness, heartache, and disappointment and sorrow at this time of year. Take time to listen to the promptings of the Holy Ghost. Pray for opportunities to rescue and to help. And as you do so, you will be blessed to be the miracle in someone's life. As Horton so perfectly demonstrated, we should be willing to go out of our way to help, to rescue. Provide aid, encouragement, enlightenment, a listening ear, or a safe place to rest. Ye lift me, and I'll lift thee, and we'll ascend together. Our Savior gave us the perfect example of love, compassion, respite, and rescue. He has beckoned us to come unto Him, to be His hands, to love one another. May we go forward with a commitment to listen to those spiritual promptings, to love, lift, rescue, to be a light to others, and to be His hands here on earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
0: You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for an hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was Be a Light with thoughts from Jennifer Rockwood and Jody Maxfield. Find links to the full text, audio, and video of these addresses at byuradio.org findingcenter. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.